Welcome to Wealth Well Done. Together, we'll cover a wide range of important topics surrounding money and the impact it has on our lives. From the sophisticated and highly valuable planning techniques of the ultra-wealthy to the commonly underutilized biblical teachings. Together, we'll work to improve our relationship with money and our effectiveness in stewarding it well. Here's your host, Eric Scoville. Okay, welcome to the 23rd episode of the Wealth Well Done podcast, where we go after the tactical, practical, and spiritual advice to help you do your wealth well done. Today, I am excited to to get in with, with our guest today. So last couple of weeks, we've done some solo casts on taxes where I've I've uh, started from the basics and kind of built up. And I said that the, the following week, the third week was going to get much more uh, in depth. And I think as a little proof that God loves you and uh, he's protecting me, instead of me doing that one myself, uh, we have some very high caliber CPAs coming on to help us with that. So the next four episodes here are going to be with um, two different CPAs from from Hall CPA, and we are going to get into that here uh, today is Brandon Hall, the founder and owner of Hall CPA, uh, CEO there, as well as uh, Tax Smart Insiders. And so we are going to go deep into the weeds with Brandon. So Brandon, I really appreciate you being on here. Yeah, thanks for the invite, Eric. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. This is, as we get complicated, way better to have you on to talk about this <laughs> than, than me and what I was planning on going over. So Disclaimer, as always, uh, the show is intended for informational, educational purposes. It uh, shouldn't be construed as investment advice. Uh, definitely consult with your tax or with your financial team to determine the best options for your circumstances. Uh, none, no statements in here should constitute actual tax or legal advice. If we jump right into it here, Brandon, can you start with just a little introduction about who you are and why you're credible to talk about this? Yeah, so uh, my name is Brandon Hall. I am the founder CEO of Hall CPA. That's um, a national accounting firm. I guess kind of international. I was trying to think. Like, mm. do we have we have a lot of international clients too. Uh, we have about eight hundred clients across the United States. They are all in real estate. So we have niched in real estate taxation and accounting. And so all of those clients, we provide them with tax planning, outsourced accounting services, as well as tax compliance services. And we work with people at all parts of their journey. So we'll work with like, you know, the physicians that are buying their very first rental property or short term rentals are all the rage today. Uh, And then we also work with sponsors of syndicates and funds. We have a specific team that does that type of uh, tax advisory and tax compliance, as well as outsource CFO services. Our, you know, largest clients uh, are, you know, uh, high nine figures net worth. Uh, We've got a billion dollar or so PE fund that we are the outsourced uh, accountants for. So we, it's been, I didn't intend intend to build my firm like this, but it's cool because we can basically work with anybody as they scale up through their uh, their investment journey, their real estate investing journey, we could, we've seen it all. And we have teams that uh, work with specific types of people at those various points of the journey. Like the same person that's advising that physician on the short-term rentals is not going to be the same person that's advising the sponsor of these syndicates and funds. Right. And I think that, that that one that's different from most CPA firms um, that are kind of like smaller, right? Not not like the, the larger CPA firms, they kind of do this. They get everybody to build technical expertise in one area. But if you're working with those smaller firms that um, it, it's just a little bit different, we're not 
asking one person to try to specialize in a lot of different areas because we know that the quality will drop. So that's that's my firm. I got started in 2015. Uh, I think I netted like 4,000 bucks in 2015. So 2016 was my real first year. <laughs> yeah. um, but to date, we have uh, 62 employees. Um, of the of those 20 are overseas. So we do use okay. India employees and Philippine employees, and they are our employees, not like a service center. Yep. Um, and and they help us with a lot of the back end compliance, back end back office type work. Uh, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a really fun ride, a really fun journey. Our firm's fully remote, which is like unique in the accounting world. Uh, and we're one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing from an organic perspective, accounting firm in the United States. So it's been, right. uh, it's been cool. It's been right. cool, but we do a ton of content, ton of content, you love do. podcasts, yeah. webinars, everything. Yeah. And, and that's how, that's how I've found you. And, and, um, will you, so I want you to then go into tax smart insiders as well and, and, and explain that. And, uh, I will preface that yeah. by saying that I, um, that's how I have engaged with, with you and found, found you and Hall CPA to be incredibly valuable to, to me with the advice, not only for my own personal, uh, usage, but also for my clients. I, I consult your guys, you know, your, your platform there for tax questions for, for my clients as well. So, so what is TaxSmart Insiders? Yeah. So, so TaxSmart Insiders was born out of this idea that we get like, I think at the time we get we had 200 or so web inquiries a month coming in. Uh, and now that number is at like 400, which is just wild. Um, but the reality is, is that one, we don't have the capacity to work with 400 new clients a month. Right. Uh, I wish we did. That would be insane. Uh, but the other the other piece of that equation, too, is that uh, a lot of those people, when they hear our prices, say, oh, I can't afford this or I'm no longer interested because the prices are too high. So we're, we're definitely not cheap. But my thing, my whole thing is there's so much bad tax advice out there. This is why we give all this content away for free, right? We do our podcasts, yeah. webinars, blogs, everything. We do this all for free because there's just so much bad tax advice out there. Uh, I mean, there's you can go scroll Instagram reels or TikTok videos and see what I'm talking about. It's just terrible advice. <laughs> um, so the question was, how do we how do we offer something in between our high end premium service mm -hmm. and this free content? Something where people could access our team, but in a more scalable way for us. So that it's not crushing our time in servicing our clients that are willing to pay this premium to work with us, and so that's what TaxSmart Insiders became. So basically, it's a it's a monthly subscription. Uh, it's an online forum. We have a ton of videos that are paywalled. So what we put in there, not everybody else sees. Um, there's networking opportunities. We just uploaded an AI bot that's like tapped into Tom and I's head, and you can like <laughs> ask it any questions anytime. Um, and then we've got courses and stuff, and we've got a new feature coming out. If you're part of TaxSmart Insiders and you're paying that monthly fee, you'll actually be able to take our courses for free uh, based on retention, like how long you stay in the community. So we're, we've got like a point system that we're spending up. But anyway, th the point is, is that TaxSmart Insiders is just that kind of middle ground between this free content's great, but it's it's leading me to a few tax questions, and I don't want to pay five thousand dollars to get started with Hall CPA. What do I do? Uh, we created this sort of middle ground so that you don't have to go to an accountant that doesn't actually understand real estate because that's like part of the problem. Is and, and I know that you said you're bringing Tom on 
And so if you're listening to this, you should listen to my partner, uh, Tom Castelli, his episode on real estate professional status, short-term rentals. Yeah, those will be, uh, um, we're going to do two episodes here with Brandon and then two more with Tom following that. Yeah. Sorry if I just blew that for no, you. No, but no. Uh, surprise, so. <laughs> but the, what I'm going to say is, you know, the short-term rental thing is black and white in the regulations. But when you first explain this to an accountant that doesn't work in Section 469, which is the passive activity loss rules, where those those things exist... If you work with an accountant that doesn't understand that code section or maybe hasn't seen it before, that accountant's going to go, oh, this sounds like a scam. But like, <laughs> but it's not. It's like literally black and white, um, which is crazy. Right. But, but, but that's the whole thing. It's like y- you come and listen to our free content and you take it to your accountant. Your accountant's mind is blown. And now you have the question of do I spend time educating my own accountant? Or do I somehow get these guys' services? So that's what Tax Smart Insiders is. It's just a way to get access to us, get access to higher-end content, get access to our team through the forums without becoming a full-fledged client. Yeah, well, uh, just testimony on that. I mean, I've, we've, we've mentioned this in previous episodes of CPAs are not CPAs are not CPAs. Like, not all CPAs are the same and not even close. And... And it's the same with financial advisors, it's the same with attorneys. We had an issue with an attorney yesterday where an attorney was trying to, um, you know, trying to give advice in a field that is outside his purview. And so because he's not a specialist there, we were introducing him to topics that he had never heard of before, but trying to, you know, kind of big dog us as the attorney. Like, well, we're not trying to be the attorney. We just, we do understand more of these <laughs> SEC guidelines. And so, um, yeah, with when it comes to CPAs, I have had to educate numerous CPAs about Section four sixty nine about about how all this works, and and it normally doesn't uh, it normally doesn't go that great for accounts or for the clients. The clients start there, but normally within you know within six months or so, they're normally all right. I, I think I probably realized I need a different CPA. It's not just yeah. it's not just because of real estate. It's because of all these other things. Like, what else are they not venturing into? And I think that I think when you look at CPAs as a whole, and, and the reason someone becomes a CPA is not be, is most people who venture into that or into engineering are not the ones who want to think outside the box. And but the, those who do, you know, can wind up being incredibly successful. When you have a when you have an engineer who's willing to you know think outside the box. And come up with something new and, and put the creativity, add creativity to their expertise, it becomes really powerful. And same with the CPA. Yeah. And so that's where that's where you guys have uh, found your niche. And I, I love it. And so many people yeah. probably appreciate it as well. Yeah, my, my kind of philosophy on that is, I mean, look, like getting the CPA license, that that is a grind. Uh, the people that have a CPA license are generally speaking, pretty smart people. Yes. And I would say that about EAs too, enrolled agents. Um, so, so this is absolutely not a, your CPA stinks. Your CPA is probably pretty solid. They're probably pretty smart. But what happens is when you get into niche sections of the internal revenue code, um, if you're not like, if you don't have a lot of repetitions in that mm, right. section of the code, you just can't, it doesn't matter how, how well versed you are in other areas of the code. Um, you just won't be able to really understand all the nuances. And and I say that we were talking before we turned this on, you know, I've I've built out a um a team, a tax team at my firm that only works with sponsors of syndicates, funds and private equity firms. That's all they do. 
So they don't do anything else. They don't work with the individuals on individual tax planning. All they do is tax planning and tax compliance for large partnerships. We're talking, you know, 100 plus partners. Um, I thought that I knew what I was talking about related to <laughs> partnership tax law. And then I hired these guys and I realized I, <laughs> I'm like kind of directionally correct. But man, those nuances, they really get you. So it's just like, you know, if if we had somebody call us up and say, I've got this massive restaurant chain that I want you guys to provide tax advice for, we would say, hey, you know, thank you um, for the opportunity. But we're probably not the best fit for that because there's probably some tax nuances related to restaurants that we don't know. But if you want to talk about real estate, we've got that covered. So it's not not to say that like CPAs don't know what they're doing. I think most do. But it's just understanding that in, in every aspect of careers, there are uh, there's niche expertise to be built. And we've decided to build that in real estate. I think this is something I was going to talk about in the next episode, but let's just go there now. And so uh, absolutely critical to understand that that's not a knock against CPAs. I think in a lot of ways, the CPA, even if they know everything that you know inside this, from a from a legality standpoint, a um, you know, a compliance standpoint, they're better off not sharing that with clients unless the clients are going to actively, you know, engage in, like fully engage in this. Otherwise, why would they bring this up? Because there's so much intricacy involved with these rules, even though they are black and white, that if they don't have, you know, if, if they're not prepared to lean, really lean in on that, then, then they're just opening themselves up to, a much bigger can of worms. And so even though they're sitting on that information, which I found a lot of CPAs do understand this, but don't recommend it to clients because they have no idea that the clients are willing to put mm-hmm. in the time and effort to actually see this through. And so I yeah. think a lot of times it's on the client as well to show the CPA, hey, I'm I'm fully committed. I've, you know, myself, I, I view I view what I do from a um, on the financial plan side, I honestly view myself a little bit as a CPA maximizer. Because your CPA a lot of times <laughs> has it in them. They just aren't doing it because they have no idea that you're actually going to execute on it. And that you could, yeah. you know, someone's going to do the Augusta rule or something else like this. Like, do they know that you're actually going to follow through and do all that stuff correctly? Um, you know, paying your children or any of those other things, especially when you get into real estate professional status, unless that CPA knows that you have the skill set, expertise, time, and desire to do that, they're better off just doing your taxes for you. And unless you're paying yeah. a higher fee for financial planning, which we're going to get into that a little bit later of, of actual financial planning uh, on, on the tax side, unless you're going to pay the higher fee, sorry, I meant the tax planning higher fee for that, then a firm's not engaging with you to that level. So I think a yeah. lot of ways it's on the client as well to, to truly engage your CPA. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the client has to understand how these rules work from a fundamental perspective. Like you don't need to necessarily know the code citations or the tax court authority, but you do need to understand how it works because like, I'll give you a really simple example. Um, We run into this many times a month where somebody will invest in a real estate syndicate. Uh, You know, they'll put a hundred thousand dollars in, they'll get an $80,000 tax loss on their K one And their CPA will tell them, you can't use that tax loss to offset your rental income from your other two rentals that you have. Um, and, and maybe those two rentals after depreciation are generating passive income. Yep. So you've got this $80,000 tax loss from this syndication investment you made, but these two rental activities, your CPA says you can't use that 80 k to offset the passive income. And that's not true. 
and and it's very it's a very easy thing to learn about but that's one of those nuances that you know if you if you can understand and and spend some time if you're investing in real estate you have to understand the fundamentals of how section 469 works um that's that's the passive activity loss rules it's real estate professional status it's short-term rentals you have to understand that because your accountant unless they're doing it day in day out uh they're not going to understand it and so you just have to understand it enough to ask questions you know yeah like like if somebody posed that to me that that whole scenario to me i would say are you sure about this can we can we create a draft tax return to prove this out because when they create that draft tax return they're going to be uh, quite surprised to learn that those passive losses indeed can offset the income from your other passive activities. So it's just it's just knowing when to ask questions. I think a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, I trust my accountant to get it done," but I think a lot of people really have fear of looking dumb and uh, yeah. and saying the wrong thing, or or they just they think that their professional service provider is on top of it. But I've learned in this industry, uh, just watching this, that you've got to ask questions. So all my vendors, my attorneys, my brokers, everybody, I'm at, I'm peppering them with questions. And I'm sure it's a little annoying for them. But at the end of the day, I have to know that they know what they're talking about. And so that's why we, we, we work so hard on all the content we create for people is just trying to help you understand what that foundational knowledge is so that you can ask better questions. I'm really glad you, <clears throat> you brought that up. And again, kind of putting that back on the on the client, on the individual with this. Um, I, think, I think it was the last week of the week before I talked about people are rel- relatively ignorant when it comes to taxes and, and relative being the, the, the important word here, the example of a, someone making 600 grand a year is gonna pay 200 grand a year in taxes unless they unless they you know get more uh, strategic with it. At 200 grand in taxes, that, that person is not one third as smart um, in, in taxes as they are in whatever is paying them the 600 grand. They're, they're not. And most people fall right. into that category. And whether it's a third or a fourth, depending on, you know, where someone's effective tax rate is, you know, real, either way, almost everyone just willingly gives up that much money in taxes without understanding some other pieces behind this. And that's, that's the thing. Like if they're, if they're just willing to let it go because they don't want to be involved then that's okay. And then not everyone should be a real estate investor, not even close, but for yeah. those who are willing to, to put in the extra effort and not just real estate, but obviously real estate is this kind of the sweet spot in the tax code. So, um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. Yeah. And, and you're totally right. And, uh, you know, I, I think that if you can understand the passive activity loss rules, uh, over time, you can build a portfolio that offsets itself. Um, meaning that it creates losses that offsets the income that it also creates, right. thus giving you income that you're not paying tax on today. Uh, if you can understand those passive activity loss rules, you can absolutely do something like that. And you don't have to get into the weird stuff that you see on TikTok and Instagram where you got to open an LLC and get a business credit card and, you know, write off your trip and all that stuff that's illegal anyway. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to do all that extra effort. All you have to do is understand the passive activity loss rules and understand how to make investments in real estate and businesses that are passive in nature. All right. Let's go there. Um, and I guess before we move on, just... I'm going to plug this and we're going to talk a little bit more about it next week, but this, you know, what, what you have here with the, um, tax part insider, this, this forum that people have access to, if someone were to get into that, someone you know, heard our, our comment here, just like, I'm relatively ignorant about taxes. I want to learn more. Man, if, if they get in there, your that forum is just 
ripe with so much information across a very diverse topic range, all regarding taxes that someone gets in there and just starts reading the, reading all the blog posts. Because I, I mean, I post a question there, and typically within 24 hours, um, you know, you or Tom or someone else has replied back with a very thorough answer that yeah. completely explains the question. And, and I'm only asking super complicated questions. And I'm, yeah. getting, and I'm getting a, a great answer back. Um, and yeah. so, man, it's so worth, I don't even know what I pay honestly for that, but it, whatever it is, it is well, well worth it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we try to give you a safer space to ask those questions that you're afraid to, yeah. quite frankly, look dumb asking your CPA or your accountant. Um, so you can come in there and you can ask, there's a great search function in there. You can even search people, what people have asked before. I, you know, we get the same questions time after time after time again. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we curate a bunch of content for people that are part of it. We've got that online forum. Uh, we've got the AI tool. And like I said, we're adding those courses. So Tom uh, is always making improvements to it. But if you're, if you're, I mean, do you mind if I drop the link to that real no, quick? No, no, that'd be great. Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. So if you're, if you're interested in it, you can actually get a free trial. It's a 30 day free trial. Uh, it's www.taxsmartinvestors.com slash free dash trial. So if you go to that link, uh, you'll get a free 30-day trial. And then it's $97 a month after that. Um, but yeah, we want to be your research arm, essentially. We want you to be be able to come to a place and get high-quality information and ask questions and get high-quality answers. Have I been saying wrong tax smart insiders and tax smart investors, or is there both? Well, so technically, yeah, so, so TaxSmart Insiders is the club. It's what we okay. call it, but it's TaxSmartInvestors.com. I know I've been throwing a lot of That's different right. brands I, at you today. Yeah. <laughs> I just know I go to it yeah. and and I get the answers I want. So so let's jump in yeah. a little bit here. I'm, so I want to start getting into a little bit of why real estate, because a number of people here, um, as, as people are getting into real estate more, and I, I think they, you know, we, we got to be careful that the tax tax deal doesn't wag the dog whether it's uh-huh. the investment dog or the dog as a whole, because if you get into real estate, it can be a life change in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And so I want to, I want to help people understand the why behind it. So why are you, why are you so high on real estate? So when I first started my firm, um, I was in, I, I just bought a three unit property and I was asking questions on bigger pockets. Mm-hmm. Uh, biggerpockets.com on how to run that three unit property. And through that experience, I realized there were a lot of people asking tax questions. So I just started answering the tax questions. And then I realized there's enough people asking tax questions that I could actually make a little business out of this. Uh, so people would like, I would answer their questions on the forum and then they would reach out via DMs and say, are you taking on clients? So finally I said, yes, yep. started taking on these clients. And then I realized if I take on enough of these clients, I can actually figure out if real estate is actually a good long-term investment and a good way to build wealth, because I'm going to get access to everybody's financials, right? Um, so it's it's almost like, you know, I get to run a business and I get to meet really cool people and there's really cool people in real estate. Yeah. But also I get to, it's like a little self-serving. I can kind of see, hey, should I continue investing in real estate or should I just invest in ETFs or something? Um, so, you know, through that experience, yeah, I realized real estate's a phenomenal way to build wealth. It's also just... A lot of real estate investors, uh, this is something I've realized over multiple years, a lot of real estate investors are more entrepreneurial than the average American. Maybe they're not like full-blown business owners, you know, maybe they're not willing to take as much risk as say I am running a, starting a business and trying to build it and scale it. So maybe they're, maybe they're W2 folks, but maybe, but, but they also are a little bit more 
risk tolerant than the average American who's just taking the W-2 and pushing it right into ETFs. Absolutely. And when you when you accept that, um, or when you understand that fact, you also realize entrepreneurs or people that are a little bit more entrepreneurial love to hang out with other entrepreneurs. Yeah. So so you you end up like meeting really cool people because there's tons of these communities out there. There's communities for everybody. Um, and they all like they 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 all invest together. Not like literally to some of them in, literally invest together, but it's more of just like, hey, I just picked up this property. What do you think? Or I'm underwriting this property. What do you think? So you can kind of build really cool niche communities, meet really cool people. That has been um, way more rewarding than I ever thought it would be. I, I didn't even realize that that was a thing. But it's it's very cool to uh, to network and meet meet people in real estate across the nation. I completely agree. One of my Good friends of mine has started a Midwest real estate meetup, the Midwest REI. He's started that here in Peoria, and we have he's seen a ton of growth with that. But the like, not just the number of people, but the relationships, the impact, the, the, the amount of people who are working their way toward you know retiring from their W two, you know, in you know early in their forties because of this is is dramatic. And so I, I absolutely love yeah. that because it just it changes the mindset. People didn't know that they could be entrepreneurial if they didn't have a great new invention idea. Uh, yeah. So no, I completely agree. So, so you're right now. So you've got 25 doors now, right? Yes. Are you, are they all multifamily? Are you short-term rentals, long-term rentals? What's your kind of little bit of your makeup and, and why? I ha- Yeah, I have uh, two single families and the rest are multis anywhere between two to three units. I don't have anything above that. Um, my two single families, one is just a, a regular long-term rental, but the other is a beach home that I'm short-term renting. Okay. Um, and you want to get into the don't let the tax tail wag the dog. I can, t- <laughs> I can tell you managing short-term <laughs> rentals is a, is a little bit more of a pain in the butt than uh, the influencers online might lead you to believe. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, so I've got, uh, that. that's my only short-term rental though. So 24 units are long-term. Okay. Um, one single family, a lot of duplexes, and then a three-unit property. Putting you on the spot, how many hours go into the actual, do you manage them yourselves or <clears throat> manage them yourself or do you hire a management company? So the, the single family rental, not the short term rental, the single family rental is local to me in Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. So we self-manage that one. And that probably takes nah, two hours a month, hour and a half a month or so. Uh, so I've actually looked at offloading that to a property manager because it's just too much time. Um, and that's probably just a lot of my own negligence as an operator on <laughs> on managing sure. that one but the other units are uh, are in hickory north carolina which is about a three-hour drive from me um and we self-manage the rehabs but we have a property manager that does everything else okay uh, which is a really nice setup for us um and i say we because i've partnered with my parents on some of those properties my short-term rental is out in Surf City, North Carolina. So on the coast of North Carolina, I self-manage that. So I coordinate once a week between cleaners and linens, and I answer all the, the communications with tenants. That probably takes one to two hours a week. Um, and, you know, it, it's really not that big of a lift in the grand scheme of things. But the problem with that is that the the time I can't bunch the time into like a Friday afternoon. Right. So, so if I could just do one hour every Friday afternoon, it'd be, I'd, I'd scale that thing out big time. But because of like the, the cash flow is insane. The returns are insane. Um, 
But the problem is, is that it's like, you know, 1030 at night when the AC stops working and I'm trying to watch <laughs> Game of Thrones or something, you know, and and then they hit me up. And it's like, oh, crap, I got to go deal with this. And you don't want your heart rate to spike at 1030 at night. It's just not healthy. So, right. so I, I don't know. You know, I like I like that short term rental <laughs> because it pays for it. It pays for the beach home. We get to use it. Um, but I don't know. I don't know that scaling a short-term rental portfolio is for me uh unless i were to stop working as a cpa and and look for something else to build then i think i would potentially look at something like that because the cash flow is solid um but you know I'm, the cpa firm is my full-time job so it's just it's hard to uh have have that short-term rental as a second job <laughs> yeah <clears throat> absolutely so are you do you get your do you do you do reps yourself i do not okay no all right no i've got enough real estate investing going on that the losses all flow um so i've not done that okay all right we're going to spend a lot more time digging into into real estate professional status um with your partner tom here in future episodes um so back to just your real estate investing have you have you found anything like just any observation you have that completely goes against the grain you know more doors under one roof or anything else like that, that, um, that you have that you, that you, you found that's worth sharing. Um, I, you know, I think it's just the like cost seg bonus depreciate at all costs. Uh, don't get me wrong. We love cost segregation studies. We love bonus depreciation, but the way that it's marketed now on TikTok and Twitter and, uh, uh, Instagram is like, it's this, it, it's this amazing tax loophole that can save you so much money in taxes. But like, you got to remember, you still own a short-term rental property and you have to manage it. And, and like what I was just talking about, right? Like it's, it's work. It's not easy. I could hand it over to a property manager, but they're going to, they're going to take 20% off the top. Um, so you have to want to really love real estate investing. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't want to, and, and even if you're investing in long-term rentals and you're going to have a property manager fully manage it, the reality is, is it's still work. There's no such thing as real estate is passive unless you're buying like triple net lease properties and you're putting a lease on for, you know, five years plus five-year options and you're getting like this super high credit tenant. Um, you know, you're not, you are going to have to roll up your sleeves from time to time and put work in. So, you know, you mentioned don't let the tax tail wag the dog. I think that's the the main thing for me at this point in my career. Every hour that I spend working on my short-term rental is an hour that I'm robbing from either scaling my CPA firm or from spending time with my family. Yeah. And I have to analyze that now. Where in the past, when I was on the beginning parts of this journey of financial independence and wealth building, it was very appealing to roll up my sleeves and put all the work into building this real estate portfolio out. But now as my earnings have increased, my wealth has increased, you start like looking at it a little bit differently and wondering, is this worth my time? And I wish more people would think about that. Um, we work with a lot of physicians that are making six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year. And they're like, okay, I'm going to go buy this short-term rental and I'm going to use this short-term rental loophole to create this big tax loss to offset my W-2 income. Uh, and, and the conversation that you have with Tom, make sure to go into that because you can do that without qualifying as a real estate professional. So it's awesome for people with full-time jobs. But 
when I was doing the advisory and now what my team does when we're advising physician, when we are advising physicians on taxes is we'll ask them, do you have time to do that? <laughs> right. Like you, you are working 60 hours a week in the hospital. Uh, what is your family going to say? Right. When you have to come home and you can't play ball, you can't play catch, you can't shoot hoops because you got to go and message your tenant or do repairs or something. Are you sure that that's what you want to commit to for this? Don't get me wrong, $100,000 tax deduction, which is amazing. But after taxes, you're talking 40K. Is it worth 40K to say no to your son or daughter right. on Saturday? And I think when we start asking questions like that, people go, ooh, I haven't thought about that part of it. I've only thought about what my Excel spreadsheet shows me. And people need to stop thinking about that. They need to look at life holistically, especially if you're a high-income earner. It might not be worth your time to run those deals by yourself. You can still make investments. You can find groups that are doing this. Um, but, you know, you just you got to really analyze the time it's going to take to run this stuff. Um, and I think not a lot, a lot. A lot of people get caught up in the FOMO. They get caught up in the influencer marketing that they see online. They get caught up in the number. What could I do with this $40,000 of tax savings? But if you're making a ton of money, if you're making you know 500k plus forty thousand dollars of tax savings, will not change your life. Right. Um, so it'll it'll change your life. life. The time, the time that you yeah. spend trying to yeah. accumulate that forty thousand dollars loss. Yeah, but, dude. Yeah. You, can you imagine being on your deathbed and little Joey is now you know forty years old and you regret not playing catch with little Joey because you wanted to capture forty thousand dollars in tax savings from running the short term rental? I mean, my God. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. Maybe. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I just that that's what I think about now. And I wish more people had that conversation. All right. Well, that that is the that is the practical pillar of this show is getting into that of from the, the deathbed reference. What what are you going to regret? Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm glad you went there. Um, yeah. All right. So last last thing. And maybe, maybe we'll circle back to a little bit more in the next episode. But I want to uh, you, you don't present yourself as the real estate um, investment you know, advisor by any means with this, but I'd like your perspective on this. We have, we have those people, but so syndication versus material participation, you know, in your own properties, where do you stand on that? Cause you bring a different perspective to this. You've, you've seen a lot of both. Where do you, where are you at, at your stage now? What are you looking for, um, for future investments? So at my stage, um, my time is extremely valuable. Uh, you know, when I talk about growing the CPA firm, I, I'm not even, you know, we're, we're going to sit down and do our year in planning here in a week. I'm flying out to Dallas with all my leaders and we're going to be planning not only the year in here, but also 2024. And so in 2024, we're going to be looking at new opportunities, right? New niches to potentially target, uh, new businesses to invest in. But my floor for those new opportunities is a million dollar business. So I'm not even going to consider an opportunity if it's only going to make 200K. Yeah. It's got to make a million dollars. So the, the reason that I share that is when I say my time is valuable, that's how I look at my time. If I'm not going to add another million dollars in value, then I don't want to do it. Uh, and so the way that that translates to my real estate now is I, I have a bunch of properties that, that go against that, what I just said. Because they're they're lower income properties. They are, um, I mean, the valuations a few million dollars across all the properties. But I can't. I, I tell you, there's not a 
probably a month that goes by that I don't look at just liquidating the entire portfolio and rolling it into a syndicate. Okay. Uh, because it's just not worth my time. Yeah. And uh, and it might cost me a few uh, points like in the future. It might cost me a, a return, right? Um, but I look at it now. I, I'm not. I, I don't need. Let me back up. My real estate view now, and it's not the portfolio that I have. And this is why I'm I'm kind of feeling stuck and feeling like I have to consider liquidating and kind of rebuilding. Um, my view now is real estate for me is wealth preservation. I want to grow my wealth, um, but I want to also preserve it. And I don't want to spend any time having to manage it. So I want to gain real estate exposure, uh, but I don't want to have to spend 100 hours a year working on that real estate. It's just not worth it to me. So for now, I, you know, I've started reaching out to a bunch of sponsors and I've been asking, what's it look like to be an investor with you? Because now I'm just looking at doing something like that yeah. where I can still have the real estate exposure, but not have to run the deal, manage the deal. Um, again, you give up some of the upside, right? When you, you have to share mm -hmm. in the upside. But if I don't have to spend any time managing it, I'm probably from a return on my time perspective, I'm probably coming out ahead. Definitely. Uh, so that's how I look at it. I, I, that's a... a, a financially very mature point of view and, and a lot of people don't ever get there and because they have to stay working but because you've been you've been blessed in your journey you've seen the you know the, this growth that you've had inside your business and you're at this point now which obviously a lot of people do get there um i think that's an incredible incredible spot that you've been able to take that wisdom into this and not and not let this drive a wedge into your family and it's not just yeah. all about the how much is enough? Well, just a little bit more. That that's not going to be your perspective. So I, I applaud that. Thank, thank you. Yeah, it, it's been it's been a journey to get there, and I would say probably in the last twelve months is kind of where I've come to this realization about myself. Um, so I don't want this to be like the super humble. I don't need to make the you know, dude. I want to freaking crush it. I want to build some amazing wealth. But I will also tell you, in this business, servicing all these real estate investors, I have met some really smart real estate investors that are dominating. And what the other thing that I've realized about this is when I'm buying property and when I'm managing property, I have to compete against those guys. Right. Okay. Right. And, and so, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like the whole day trading thing, you know, like I, every once in a while you get these clients who are like, oh, I'm going to start day trading. It's like, dude, you are going to compete against people that live on wall street and do not sleep. And they, yeah, they're doing Probably. everything they can to stay awake. You're going to lose. And investing and so hundreds of billions of dollars in infrastructure to make yeah. their trades five yeah. milliseconds faster than what they're yeah. currently are. You like, think, you you think you're going to come out of nowhere with no experience and you're going to crush the guy up the street that's been doing this for 20 years? You're not going to. And so if he's not buying that deal, why are you buying that deal? Because clearly something's wrong. Right. You know, and, and that's what I've started to realize. And it's the same thing with the CPA firm. It's like, Anybody could come into my market as a CPA, try to compete with me, and I will absolutely crush them. No, no, I know exactly what I'm doing, and I know how to build an amazing CPA firm. But I, but I also have to recognize that if I go into a real estate market, there's guys in that real estate market and gals that are looking at it the same way. Hey, you can come into my market, and I'm going to crush you, <laughs> right? Uh, it's competition at the end of the day, too. So when you when you look at that, when you look at the time, when you look at you know, what if I spend all this time, the extra two percentage of points that I get on my return, uh, or, you know, these really good operators, an extra 
um, it's just not worth it. You might as well just go find those people that you'd be competing with and invest with them. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. We're going to, we're going to wrap this episode up here and, and, uh, next week we're going to jump into, uh, we're going to dig into tax planning. We're going to dig in, uh, some on, on the business side of this, uh, how to choose the right CPA and, uh, also uncover some myths about audits as well. Um, so thank you for listening. Hope you join us again next week and Brandon Hall truly, truly appreciate the wisdom you're sharing here. Thanks for having me on. Bye everybody. Thank you again for listening to Wealth Well Done. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And together, we'll continue to improve our relationship with money and our effectiveness in stewarding it well.